Okay, with that, let's pray, and then we'll look at our passage today. Uh, Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for um, all that you're doing in our midst. We thank you uh, for your grace, which abounds to us. Um, We thank you that Jesus died on the cross for us, and we thank you for your spirit, which indwells us as believers. We thank you that you uh, lead us and guide us. Father, we pray that you would help us in our journey of walking with you, uh, our our new life in Christ, we pray that you would help us um, to allow you to reign and rule in our hearts, um, that you would help us uh, just to place your word into our hearts um, so that we would have it within us to be available to you to, to lead us and guide us. We pray that you would help us to keep our eyes on you, that our hope would be secure in Christ and that we wouldn't let the the trials and tribulations and worries and concerns of the day-to-day life and all that's going on around us, uh, Lord, to shake us from our security and comfort in you. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. All right. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do, in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And Lord, we are thankful indeed for all that you have done in our lives. Uh, We ask that you would lead us now, that you would help us as we navigate these three uh, short verses. Uh, They are easy to understand, but we need help to apply them in our lives. And so, Father, we pray uh, that you would really uh, grab a hold of us and move us along in our relationship with you. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. Uh Uh-oh. Did it not update? Ah, man, my whole plan is shot. Did it, it didn't update. I'm looking at the scripture references. Oh, that's, that's weird. Um, well, I had a great picture. It was really good. I'm really disappointed. It was a picture of a car that said student driver. And there's like all sorts of stuff that it had crashed into attached to this car, because none of those verses are right. Are we on the right day? Yeah, no, 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 no. Maybe I updated the wrong slideshow. Um, So you guys are going to have to listen to me, not the screen. Um, But I'm at the age where I'm entering new territory. I've got a daughter... (laughs) I need to steer, we've already steered the conversation, who's coming to the age where she's going to start driving. And I don't know which one of us is more terrified in this, this, uh, this stage in life. See, I've never taught somebody to drive. My history as a teacher of young people is not very friendly. Um, <laughs> But she's a girl, so that's a little bit different. But if you're like in that 17 to 20-year-old male age, my fuse with with those people are very, very short because of my old profession. Um, 
She's never learned how to drive a car before, so she's never done this before. And so we're both in trouble. Like, I, like, we, like we both understand that we're in trouble. I've given a couple uh, just introductory lessons. The first one ended with like, uh, like both of us I, were almost in tears. And she's like, Dad, you're starting with this that like, I've killed three people, we've been sued, our house is gone, and so I'm a little stressed out, and I haven't even, like, read lesson one, and I'm like, okay, we'll call it a day. I think we've accomplished what we... (laughs) The unfortunate is, like, as much as I'd like to just, like, lock her in her room and not teach her how to drive and not, like, go into this, like, I have a responsibility to equip her to to drive, to, to become a good driver, and I'm learning, um, now that I gave the first lesson on my own and I signed up to give her into driver's ed classes, AAA also has parent classes that they automatically enroll you in. <laughs> Don't do this. Oh, whoops, whoops, whoops. And, um, and so there's like, you know, you start with taking in information. Then, you know, you learn all the rules of the road. You eventually go take a test, and that clears you to then get behind the wheel with a, 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 an actual instructor, and then you have time behind the wheel with your parents, and then eventually you take the test, and then, and then you begin driving, and you get the experience, and then you become a good driver, and you're safe and, and defensive, and you can navigate the roads, and you can you know, live, live life. And... So much of what we've been studying in Colossians is, is Paul has been trying to equip us and train us to drive this new life that we have in Christ, that, that we've been given these new clothes, this new car, and now there's instructions, and then there's coaching along the way. If we were to go back to Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, we would read there, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus... The Lord. So walk, or we could modernize this to, or drive in Him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. And so, so to get your driver's license, you have to do some lessons. Then you eventually take a test for your permit. And then after you get some practical time behind the wheel, you go take a test behind the, you know, the, with a teacher at the DMV or whoever they are. They're terrifying people. Uh, <laughs> Grace isn't here today. She's sick. So it's like I can, you know, it's terrifying. Like you go there and it's like, you know, you have the person with the clipboard monitoring you as you're taking it. Like all of, I would be nervous today. And so Paul says, you've received Christ, you've been, you've been given this new life, and now he's been giving us instructions, and we're being firmly rooted and built up, and, and the outflow is gratitude for the Christian. And he continues to sort of expand on this and repeat and, and lead us in this so that we would know what it is to be a mature Christian. And in verses 15 through 17 today, sort of as an overview we see these things. He's, there's, there's three. In the Greek, it's way more apparent. Uh, verses 17, 18, excuse me, 15, 16, and 17, each begin with a word chi, which is and. Almost none of the translations put it there because it would be super awkward. 
but, but there's this sort of flow of thought that kind of triggers from one step to the next step to the next step. Each one of these steps ends with gratitude and, and gratefulness, thankfulness. As a warning, we're going to end today with, with practicing this, doing what the Bible says by actually sharing things that we're grateful for. So I'm giving you a warning now so that you're not blindsided. Melanie's going to go around with a microphone, and we're going to just take some time to give thanks. It's not Thanksgiving yet, but the Christian life it should be marked with, with gratitude. We're going to see very active commands. Verse 15, let the peace of Christ, let the word of Christ. These are commands that, that we, as we receive Christ as our Savior, it's not a passive thing. Then it becomes active. We have a responsibility to do certain things, to respond in a very positive way. And so in verse 15, we see, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. And so we see, let the peace of Christ. Jesus in four, John 14, 27, see that? I must have uploaded the wrong thing. John 14, 27, he says, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Do not let your heart be troubled. This, this week in looking at this passage, I'm not here to get political, but to, to not acknowledge that politics is like a huge aspect of American life these days. Uh, I, I would go like probably as much or even with any other country in the world that the, the population is consumed with, with politics and what the political leaders are doing. And, and there's angst and there's tension and there's, I don't know if anger is different than angst. I think it is, but they're very strong opinions And I think people are frustrated because they're expecting from the government what the government can't deliver. Only God, through Christ, can deliver true peace. And nothing's really changed because what Jesus said, this doesn't get brought up that often. When Jesus says, peace, I leave you, this was an extremely controversial statement because who did Jesus live and die under? Rome. What was Rome saying? Pax Romana. What is that? The peace of Rome. So Rome guaranteed peace to its citizens so long as they abided by the rules. And if you stayed within the lines, then peace was guaranteed for its citizens. And so Jesus says, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. And the world was trying to deliver a peace that the world can't deliver. Our politicians today are trying to deliver peace that they can't deliver. And so this week, if you're looking to the government or you're looking to an election or you're looking to a various state government to bring you peace, then you're going to be disappointed because it cannot deliver only what God can deliver. And this is a command. Let the peace of Christ do something which we'll get to. So Paul, Jesus says, I leave you peace, my peace I give to you, this peace I give you to you, the world can't deliver. Paul in Romans chapter 5, 
would later write in verses 1 through 2, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in hope of the glory of God. And so we see this picture. Did it, John, did anybody take you up on the $100 yet? No. no, still. John said that he would pay anybody $100. No, 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 no. But his wife is... I said he did say... One person is one. <laughs> I was going to say it was, an, it was a window that had opened and has closed. But he had offered... In past tense, that he'd offered a hundred dollars to anybody who would re- like. I'm not saying it's in, it's in like it's not like chips at a Mexican restaurant. If one person, first come first serve, memorized all of Romans five, he would give him a hundred bucks. Never, never came. And then recently during summer nights, he opened the window again for one person, and I think it's been closed because it didn't happen. Not to shame the one person, but it just didn't happen, you know. But so there's this picture, justified by faith, that through faith we stand justified before God, that, that we're no longer condemned because of our sin, that Jesus had, had paid that debt, had absorbed the wrath of God for us. And therefore, as we respond in faith, we stand justified, we now have peace with God. This isn't the peace of God necessarily, but we stand, we're no longer enemies of God. We have peace with God. But then he goes on and he says, through whom we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. So often we talk about grace as something that we receive. Like God gives me something that I don't deserve. This is unmerited favor. That's how grace is defined. But we don't often talk about standing in grace. Whenever I see this, I know I've shared this story a few times because it's a story that always comes to my mind. So if you've heard this before, I'm sorry for boring you. But when I was early in the Navy, I was down in Puerto Rico. I wasn't a SEAL yet, but I was like hanging around SEALs. They were beating me up to prepare me to go through SEAL training. And I was assigned this brand new baby SEAL to sort of take me around and put me to work kind of thing. And so we're down at the pier. I don't even know what our schedule was for the day, but we're down by the pier and some guys roll up from SEAL Team 6 and they're like cigarette boats. Like two motors, each motor has 550 horsepower. If I was Tim the Toolman Taylor, I'd be making grunt sounds right now. But I don't, like, all I know is these things were like super fast. And I'm sitting there and, and the, the SEAL, the baby SEAL that I was hanging out with, the SEAL from SEAL Team 6, was just an instructor, and he put the guy through training, and he had remembered him. And so they started talking. He's like, oh, yeah, like, I remember you. He's like, hey, do you want to go for a ride? He's like, yeah, I want to go for a ride. I have no idea what our schedule was. We disappeared for the whole day. So I don't, like, and so next thing I know, I'm on this cigarette boat with all these guys from SEAL Team 6, and they're like, hey, we're going out to this island. It's called Vieques. Vieques. It's this island that you're allowed to shoot and blow up. And, uh, and so we're going to be doing some runs with our two boats. We'd love to have you guys. I'm like, this is so awesome. And like, they totally didn't know that I wasn't a SEAL. They thought I was a SEAL at this point. I get on the boat, 
And it's like, the boat has three slots in the front. There's a guy who steers the boat, there's a guy who does the throttle, and then there's a guy that does the trim. So when they go airborne over the waves, it launches right, hopefully, so you like land the plane correctly. And then there's three more seats in the very back with a backrest. <laughs> All those six seats were taken. And then there was a bar behind the first three seats that you could hang on to. <laughs> Guess where I went? And so I'm like, okay, this is going to be cool. And the guy's just like, you know, when we hit this stuff, just kind of like keep your knees bent and absorb the... And I'm like, okay, no problem. I'm young. I don't care. I'm holding on the bar, just kind of standing there like on a champagne cruise in San Diego Bay, like as we're kind of like cruising out of the harbor. And as soon as we turned the corner, all I know is there was like this grumbling sound. And it was like... It was it was a matter of like keeping my feet on the ground, and then I'm like, there's there's like swell coming. I'm like, certainly they're going to slow down, and they were just gunning it over the waves, and we're getting airborne. So we would you could hear the throttle going. It would get airborne. They take off the throttle. It would get silent. By this point, my legs are like flying backwards, Superman style, and I'm like, this isn't going to be good. And then I slammed at the ground, and I'm like, I'm good. Nobody saw it. Like, I'm good. Like, I'm like, okay, certainly they're going to slow down. This went on for a long time. Like, I was like in my heart going, this is not fun. This is like, please get me off this roller coaster ride. I want it to stop. We come to the island. I don't have time for the whole thing. They start shooting at the island, which was really cool. They had announced, hey, if you're on the island, please come out. And so nobody came out, so they started shooting. And then all of a sudden, these people kept running out. And they said, it's too crowded. And so we're kind of loitering. They're waiting to figure out what to do. And then they look at the guy, and he's like, hey, so what, class, what buds class are you? And the guy says, I'm in this buds class. And, and he looks at me, he's like, what buds class are you? And I said, I'm going to be in buds class 198. I was trying to like, you know, this very, in the English language, you can really slip words in that really change everything. And I didn't really highlight the gonna. I just tried to like merge it. And he looks at me, he's like, get off my boat. I'm like, we're like in the middle of like somewhere in the Caribbean. Like I, and he looks at me, he's like, get off the boat. So I got off the boat and they took off. And I was like, I, like 19 year old gunner was trying to come up with a plan and my plan was to float until a drug dealer picked me up or something. I don't like. <laughs> then they eventually came back and they put me in the boat and then they drove. And, and then the ride back to the harbor was miserable. I like didn't want to ride in that boat anymore. I was scared to death. And the whole point of this, there is a point. When we made a turn into the harbor and the water was smooth and they killed the motor because they were in a no-wake zone... It was like, this is so amazing. And it was like this peace that overtook me. And it was like, I just don't want to relive this again. Like, I don't want to go out. There. Well, I kind of did, but I didn't. Like, in that moment, like... And that feeling that I had pulling into the harbor when my legs were literally just shaking from, like, being at, at war with the ocean, trying to not... Like, by the end, I almost couldn't stand up anymore. And then when we pulled in, it was like the shakiness of my legs, and it was like, oh, I can relax, I can relax. And I think so often, we go through life 
totally in the world and in the waves. We're trusting in our own strength, our own capabilities, and we're not letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, and we're not, like he says here, standing in grace. Because he doesn't say, as he wrote, writes Romans 5, he doesn't say the world around him is hunky-dory. What, he's, what, he, what history tells us is that this was under Nero, a super violent man that hated Christians. He goes on to say, we exult in hope in the glory of God. And he doesn't end there in Romans 5.3. He goes on to say, not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance. And so he's saying that as we go through trials and we're going through everything and we're standing in grace and we're letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, we exult in this. So I don't know how you handled this last week, and I'm not looking for a show of hands of where you stood. Because if it wasn't last week, it was something else, and there's always something that we can get our minds wrapped around around that, that is not focusing on Christ and doesn't let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. How do you handle tribulations? The reality is, is there's been a lot of complaining by people. It's so easy to complain. It's so easy to like, I'm not, there's words that I want to say that I can't say that basically mean complaining about everything. And that doesn't seem to be that that shouldn't be the, the, the marker of the Christian at all. This, this word, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, the, the word, the verb in this whole verse right here, there's three verbs. The main verb, or the main first verb, I should say, is rule. Now, this word rule is a tricky word. You might see that word and read it in the English and think of a king or somebody who's in power, who has authority to dictate, kind of, um, which you might, like, that might be okay. This word is only used in the New Testament in this location. It's a word that they pulled from, from athletics. And it, it described a title of an individual like an umpire who called balls and strikes. Or on the soccer pitch, who calls fouls or not fouls. And so somehow in this picture, we are commanded to let the peace of Christ be the umpire of our hearts. So as we're going through life, whatever comes through, there's a little umpire. And I, I've been trying to put together like a, an image in my mind about like, what is this little umpire? Because let the peace of Christ is like the umpire. And the umpire is supposed to be like ruling and like making the call in the shots. And so you watch the news this week, and you start getting irritated, and you say, well, I'm not of this world. Or whatever the peace of Christ says to counter or to give biblical truth to whatever you're facing. The Bible makes it very clear that we live in a fallen world, that we're aliens in this place, that our citizenship is not of this world. It is of heaven. And so we shouldn't really be surprised when we see this world falling apart. And yet we really fall apart when this place starts doing exactly what the Bible says it's supposed to be doing. And then we get all excited like, oh, if we just do either get this individual in or get this individual out, then all the problems will be fixed. Well, that's not what the Bible says. There is only one that can deliver peace, and that's Jesus. 
He offers us peace, yet so often we dwell and feed worry and anger and bitterness. But we're supposed to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to which we were called. This is another verb, you were called into one body. We entered a section back in, I think it was verse 9. I think, a nice, uh, verse 9, we see one another. In verse 13, we see one another. Here we see you are called into one body. This, this idea, this collective picture of the body of Christ, that we were called to be in community, that we are called to be together, to let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. It is no longer you and me, but it's we. Like, we need each other. The Bible tells us that we each have been given gifts to to use for the building up of the body of Christ. We need each other together. You are needed. Your gifts God has given you, you play a part and a role. We, We need one another. You've been called into the body of Christ so that you can participate. And then we see this command, be thankful. Three times. Every one of these little things ends with be thankful Back in Colossians 1.6, the fruit of the mature Christian, what, what Paul longed for is that gratitude would bubble out of their lives. <clears throat> the Bible Knowledge Commentary says, an attitude of gratitude contributes to an enjoyment of spiritual tranquility, whereas grumbling makes for inner agitation. I wonder how much grumbling we've been doing last week. I totally have been grumbling. Like, it's so easy to grumble. And especially when you're grumbling, the last thing you want to do is to be thankful. And my wife makes me play the thankful game. I hate it. I mean, I hate it when I want to grumble. Like, I like the thankful game when I'm feeling thankful, but when I'm, like, not in a good mood, and she's like, that's it. We're playing the thankful game. I don't want to play the thankful game. It's like... I'm the dad. I'm leaving. Now, get back here. You know This is like the, the thankful game. You start with letter A, and you say something that begins with letter A that you're thankful for. So I always say Anna, because that's what you're, it's easy. No, don't go, ah, it's just easy. It's like easy. So you cannot be happy. Like, you can still be grumbling. It's like A is easy. Start getting to X, it's like you got xylophone. But it's like by the time you get so far out, you like eventually are like, no, I got to like really think of stuff that I'm like thankful for. And by the whole end of it, you're thankful. And that's why we're going to do partly the thankful game today to get our hearts right. But if you lack inner peace and you're a believer, you're probably lacking in gratitude. And if you focus and train yourself to be grateful, I think that what you'll see, I know I see it in my life, is that your disposition begins to change. And throughout the Bible, God's children are called to be a grateful people. And we see it three times in this section. Verse 16. i got to move along here. There's an and in the Greek, chi. And let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness, in your hearts to God. So the, the verb in the Greek here is dwell. And it carries with it the idea of, 
uh, like moving into a location. So we're told that the word of Christ is to take residence within your, within your hearts. <clears throat> I've told you guys over and over again that in this last month, I'm on this new kick. <clears throat> I'm going to like learn Spanish if it kills me. <clears throat> and it might. <laughs> like, and it was laughing at me. So now I have a tutor in Cordoba, Spain, that I'm committed to meeting with every Monday at 11 a.m., and he won't speak to me in English, really. And Anna's like laughing. She's like, the problem is you, like, you really like talking. And you have a lot of words to say. <clears throat> and in Spanish, you have like six words you know how to use. And it's really hard to like, I'm like, I know, it's killing. And, and so I see in myself a few years ago, our, our Gideon, for those who know Gideon, the, the nine-year-old boy, he has a lot of my uh, personality within me, within him. And I remember uh, a friend of ours, a Mexican friend, for his birthday, delivered him a piñata. A piñata, as Titus says. But in the piñata, there was spicy Mexican candy. No, 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 no. I don't know whose birthday it was. So maybe it was a different kid's birthday. They got a piñata they're super stoked for because piñatas are supposed to be filled with candy. But there's a such thing as spicy candy that's really popular. And so the kids bust it open, they all run, and they like take a bite of the candy, and they're all, what is this? It's spicy. <laughs> but not Gideon. Gideon is like just working really hard. And I'm like, what's going on, bud? He's like, it's really spicy. I'm like, do you like it? He's like, no, it's terrible. <clears throat> He's like, but I think I'll get used to it. <clears throat> if Mexicans like it, I'll, I'll get myself to like it. And we're like, that's our Jorge, you know, like he... <clears throat> And so for the last month, I'm like totally immersed in Spanish. I'm doing Rosetta Stone, Duolingo, Memrise, totally immersed in Spanish language. I'm totally now a dreaming in Spanish. I have no idea what they're saying, except I did have one dream where these guys were stuck with their wives at a cucumber lunch party, and they all snuck out to watch football. And so we were eating cucumber sandwiches laughing, and I understood what was happening, and it was amazing. And I see myself, like, Gideon going, I'll get it eventually. Like, eventually, one day I'm going to wake up, and Spanish is just going to start coming out of my mouth. Eventually. Mark my words. This morning, Ray's here. Ray used to go to church here. He got baptized here many years ago. He came in, he was very emotional, and he looked at me, and I warned him that I'm going to say something about him. But he's like, man, I'm really curious to see what it'll be like. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what you think. He's like, well, no, no, no. Before, like when I got saved, we were going through Hebrews. And we were all talking like, yeah, they're going in that room. That's what they're doing right now, like in the Sunday school room. I'm like, yeah, that was a rough season. That was like a hard, there was some hard stuff. And he's like, so I remember coming to church and just going like, I have no idea what they're talking about. But eventually he got it. And that's what we're told to do with the word of Christ, to let it dwell within us, to put it in. For those of us that have been doing the Bible reading plan on the app, like we're so close. Like I've been counting to September 24th. Like I cheated looking ahead. We've been in the Old Testament all year, and it's like I keep reading, 
And there's days when I just like put a check mark, like, yeah, I read it. I don't know what I got out of it. But on September 24th, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, and I'm like so excited. But it's like we put it into us, and you, you have no idea what God will do with it. You'll start having dreams like me in Spanish, like I have no idea what's happening. But it's like going, it's like going in. And we're told to put the word of God into us. And then little bits of pieces will begin to like click and you'll begin to understand like, no, no, no. I know that word. I know the peace of God. I, ex- I remember I experienced it. And then you'll see something else. And then you will be, find yourself in a situation and you don't respond like you used to respond. You, like, is that English? Right? I got to work on English too. <laughs> you'll be in a situation and you don't respond like you used to respond. I, I like I'm gonna like. I, you guys know what I'm saying. Because God's word goes into you, and it doesn't seem like it's doing anything, but it's doing something. And so we're told, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching, admonishing admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Um, this can get really confusing. Like, this can get, this, like, there's a lot of stuff happening here. And I think that the best way to understand the second part of this is the, you begin to change. As the word of God goes into you, as you put it into yourself, and when I say put it into you, that doesn't mean like eat the Bible. It's like read the Bible, put the words in there, be in church, be in Bible studies, be reading the Bible a little bit at a time. It goes into who you are, and then God begins to do a work with it, <clears throat> and then things begin to change. And so in the context of the church, the church's context of what they're talking about, how they're interacting with one another, it begins to change. In seminary, I remember my friend, he was... Um, well, he's still a Calvary Chapel guy. He's a, he's a senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Lake Elsinore, super good friend of mine. He had been a pastor for a long time, and in, a lot of times in the Calvary Chapel circles, you become a pastor with no training, and then you're a pastor for like 20 years, and it's like, oh, I need to go get some education. And so then I was going through seminary with him, and I really love Steve, and he's like, yeah, like what I've, what I've learned when I go to evaluate a new church like not even as a pastor, he said, I'll just start hanging out with people. And, and I can tell you like the culture of the church just by listening to the chitter-chatter of the people. If they're talking politics, if they're talking stock market, if they're talking this, and the last thing you hear about is Jesus, then that means that like Jesus and the word probably isn't like that high on the radar screen for the church. Super like... Hearing him say that is super convicting. And so I think he's saying that it's like as the word of Christ dwells within you, then we have the one another, like as it's dwelling within you, with all wisdom teaching, admonishing one another. So there's like the togetherness. And then from the togetherness, psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. So like singing, the words that come out of our mouth, and the things that we're talking about and our perspective, because we have the word of God in our, inside of us, ultimately, gratitude just begins to like spill out every which way. The, the world is going through everything, and yet the church gathers and says, 
I'm so thankful that God is doing this within me. I'm so thankful that I went through this trial because now I see what he's doing. I'm so thankful that I don't have to be all wrapped up in the news or find my hope and security in what's going around. My hope is grounded in Christ, and I know that he died and he rose, and that in him I have peace and security in this life and in the one to come. It changes everything. And so my prayer is that we as a congregation, that individually we would make a point to point our conversations to Jesus, that we would bring him into all things, seeking the things above with thankfulness in our hearts to God. And then in verse 17, we see, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, do it for the Lord. We're going to see this in Colossians 3.23. At the very end, uh, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, that we're supposed to live our lives seeking to please him, and that we're supposed to be giving thanks through him to the Father. And so my prayer is that God would help us to drive these cars of our spiritual life in a responsible manner, that we would be good sons and daughters of the king. And we need his help to, to live out our lives this way. On giving thanks, the Bible, uh, or the Life Application Bible Commentary, I think it had this little thing on giving thanks. Tank up on thanks. Thankfulness puts all we have into the right perspective God has given us what we need for service, comfort, expression, and recreation. Greediness or discontent, signal, or discontent signals an attitude that says to God, I'm not getting much of a bargain here. Thankful people can worship wholeheartedly. Gratitude opens our hearts to God's peace and enables us to put on love. Discontented people constantly calculate what's wrong with their lot in life. To increase your thankfulness... Take an inventory of all you have. Include your relationships, memories, abilities, and family, as well as material possessions. Use the inventory for prayers of gratitude. On Sunday before worship, quit rushing around and take time to reflect on reasons for thanks. Early on Sunday morning, declare this, your thanks, faith, and hope day. Celebrate God's goodness to know you. Celebrate God's goodness to you and ask in prayer for all your needs for the week ahead. And so we're commanded to give thanks to God. So we're going to do that. I'm going to turn off my microphone. Melanie's going to. Check. Check, check. This morning, for the very breath I breathe, I didn't know for sure if I'd make it through. Well, none of us do make it through the night. So the breath I breathe. Amen. We're Well, I am thankful that Melanie's guitar didn't explode when it hit the ground. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, <clears throat> I'm thankful for the forgiveness of God and the unconditional love he always shows. I'm thankful for all the psalms 
and especially Psalm 23, which I've had in my life since I was a little kid when my mom did a needlepoint of it and gave it to me to remind me of all the blessings that God gives us. I'm thankful for so many different things. All the people we met here, my husband, my family. Uh, we. I'm also thankful for we have a two-seater Miata car with a convertible and a stick shift. And I, I have taught many grandkids how to drive a car. In that, she's offering in that, with that stick shift, it gives them, gives me the ability to do that, and gives them the ability to learn the feeling of a car, the engine, the speed, the the handling of it, not just pushing buttons. Uh, Well, I'm going to use this metaphorically, Uh, osmosis. Through this church, um, I and, and the men and people of this church, I am learning the godly ways and learning to understand God. Before, through osmosis, I was learning other things. And, and it was evening, that, evening out, and I was behaving badly. But in this church, with the, the people and, and you, I'm, I'm learning and absorbing in a different way. And it's balancing out, and, and I'm becoming a better person. So I'm thankful for Grace Point Church because this was the church that planted the seed into my heart. And I'm grateful for the families that spoke into my life, um, specifically the Ong's family and Sharon. And to be quite honest, I love this church and I'm super happy to be back here. I've, I've missed it. And so I'm thankful for um, all the faithful servants here for Pastor Gunner and for God's amazing grace and how he has restored the joy of my salvation. Uh, I, I cannot believe that I'm saying this today, but I'm super grateful for the people in my life who challenge me and that I have conflict with both in this, I mean, not that there's conflict in this church, but people that you bump up against and, you know, kind of walk away going, okay, what was that all about? Um, Because it happens. And it's not something that you talk about often because we're all supposed to be, you know, I love you, sister, you know, but maybe that doesn't, that's not always the case. Anyway, I'm just super grateful for the challenging people in my life because I see God work changing me and sometimes changing them and sometimes changing the situation and sometimes not. But in the midst of the, you were talking about the boat, you know, and you were talking about the car. We God's going to help us drive our car the right way because, you know, in the flesh sometimes I want to run my car right over people. <laughs> But he's going to teach me. A, he's teaching me a better way, and it's this lesson that's come up over and over and over. And I'm just, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. Okay. Well, I'm grateful for this church and uh, 
the love that they give me through all all of this. And the lady here is, is my life. And she was in a wreck on the freeway. They hit her from the front and the back. And she wasn't hurt. And the other people weren't hurt. And they were hit by a young man with no with an illegal driver's license and no insurance. And he kept saying, but Gunner said, (laughs) (laughs) he was teaching me to do, like the boat on the freeway. But besides loving Gunner and his family and his church, I love all of you, and I thank you for always being there. Come and visit me sometime. Hey, I'm thankful for this church, the amazing people that got together and redid our living room for us so that we could make a spot for our bedroom in our living room. The guys that came were incredible. All the people that have brought us meals and blessed us in other ways, just more than we could ever express how thankful we are. And so this is an opportunity to say thank you to you guys. Baby puke on me. (laughs) Um, But you know what? Like seeing Eve this morning... I'm thankful for those moments, especially Um, last night she decided to pray with her two younger siblings, and I heard her praying with them, and they're like, because they usually all come and pray with us individually. And so hearing them pray together, I was telling Chris, I'm like, you know what, I hope they do that when they're older too. (laughs) So seeing those moments, um, one of our sons has had some struggles like with telling the truth lately, and yesterday even... Though he didn't want to, he finally did. I'm like, okay, thank you for these moments, Lord. Thank you. We can't change their hearts, but we can share like the experiences that we've gone through, and we can keep praying for them. And so thankful for the, um, the influence of all these amazing people in our children's lives. I'm so grateful for this church. I'm grateful for Gunnar. But I'm very grateful for Anna. Because if Anna wasn't happy, Gunner wouldn't be here. And I know that she supports him. And so I appreciate you both because I see you both as leaders of the church. And um, I've been going through some struggles at work over the past year. And one of the things that God has shown me, I'm sorry I get emotional, is in all things to give him praise. And it's like, okay, God, how do I praise you in this? And if you ask, he will give you the most sometimes obscure answers. And one of the things was every time I would type my password, I'm thinking, okay, I'll make it a prayer to God. So every one of my passwords, it's a small prayer to God. It's part of my password. It's either praise God, God save us, God save our nation. Uh, God keep us, or bless you God. You know, something like that is in every one of my passwords. And from doing that, because it brings my mind and my thought back to God, but it also helps helps me to know that, and to focus on Him, but it helps me in my everything I do, whether work or home. And so I'm just so grateful for this church, for drawing us closer. And I'm grateful for little Grace, who was three years old when we came here, <laughs> and that how mature and beautiful she is. Um, 
very thankful that I was able to take care of my mom, and now I'm taking care of my sister. But most important, I'm thankful for this man because he's been there for me and strong and just taking care of me, and I thank him for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for my wife, uh, who's God's given me for a helper. Um, I'm grateful for her that she labors for me in prayer. Um, I'm grateful for God's conviction, His Holy Spirit, and the heart that He's given me to be able to love my wife back. Um, and I'm grateful for the the body of Christ that we belong to, uh, and the sacrifices God made for us. I'm thankful for Jesus, my family, and Pastor Gunner. One, two? Oh, there we go. All right, we're about halfway through the sermon now. <laughs> Let's pray. Uh, Father, we do thank you. Uh, you are so good to us. I thank you for this body. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to grow deeper in our relationship with Christ. We pray that you would, um, Lord, that you would convict us, Lord, call us out when we uh, take our eyes off of Christ, when we begin dwelling on the things of this world. Um, it's not that we're not supposed to be involved in this world, but when our heart and our hope begin looking to this world uh, for that which you can only provide, Father, I pray that you would correct us. I pray that you would help us to truly allow uh, your peace uh, to rule within our hearts. Father, we pray that your word would dwell within us. Uh, the scriptures can be overwhelming uh, as a whole, but we pray that you would help us just to be faithful, to take it in, that we would uh, little by little and just trust that you will work uh, through your word in our hearts and our lives. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us as a congregation to really live out our lives in a way that's pleasing to you in all respects. And may we genuinely be a grateful people, not just when we're asked to do it, but as we go about our day, uh, moment by moment, that we would just see opportunities uh, to thank you for. When we're worried, when we're stressed out, we pray that you would help us uh, to flip the switch and to look around and to begin just to see things that we can give you. Uh, thanks for. And as we do that, uh, without a doubt, you always change our disposition. And so we are grateful, Lord, um, that you desire us to be a grateful people. We thank you that you have provided us with so much to be thankful for. We thank you most of all that Jesus came, he lived, he died, and he provided a way that we might have a relationship with you. And so we do pray for those that maybe aren't there yet and are still searching, that you would help them to connect the dots to salvation. Uh, for those of us who have received Christ as Savior, we thank you, Lord, uh, for this gift and this relationship that you have given to us. And it's in Christ's good name we pray. Amen. <laughs>